Welcome to Untamed Intimacy, the show that helps you get to the core of what creates safety, love, connection, passion, and pleasure in your relationship. You'll learn how to resolve conflict, communicate authentically, and rekindle passion. So you can create untamed intimacy in your relationship. I'm Ani Manian. And I'm Lee Noto. We're the founders of Untamed Intimacy. And together, we serve couples all around the world to help them create the wildest love they have ever known. We believe that our relationships are the most powerful vehicles for growth, and our partners are our greatest teachers. If you're ready to create untamed intimacy in your relationship, then this is the podcast for you. And if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that. And you'll be notified as soon as we drop a juicy episode. And if you really love and receive value from this podcast, we'd like to ask two things. Please leave a five-star review and consider connecting with us on Instagram at untamed underscore intimacy. And take a screenshot of your favorite episodes and share them in your stories so others can find this content too. And if you'd like to be coached live on air or have any questions that you'd like answered on the show, visit us at untamedintimacylive.com. We can't wait to hear from you. I am so excited to have you on. I'm going to intro you. And uh, if you want to add anything, then I invite you to. But for all of those that are here tuning in to the live webinar, welcome. It is such an honor to have you here on the Untamed Intimacy podcast. This is a show where we talk about all things intimacy. And, uh, you know, for a lot, you know, for much time, I think BDSM and that world has taken on a certain reputation that most you know, most people aren't aware of what's really involved in that work, in that world, and how such deep intimacy can be created there. So without further ado, I'm so happy to have this guest on, Mistress Lucy Sweethill. And she is a professional dominatrix, BDSM educator, and purveyor of erotic experiences. After spending many years sharpening her skills and training other dominas at Commercial Dungeon in NYC, she decided to go off on her own. Her newfound independence allowed her to expand her BDSM interests and connect with more like-minded individuals, offering 101 and 102 type sessions for novices and couples to masterminding large group scenes. Lucy's main goal is to guide individuals through their BDSM and erotic journey. As an entrepreneur at heart with a business degree to back it up, Lucy co-founded La Maison de Rouge, a company based on a holistic approach to the BDSM experience with Domina Dia Dynasty. Over the last four years, LMDR has been focused on expanding the BDSM experience by discussing, educating, and informing their audiences about the intersections of kink, wellness, sexuality, spirituality, and social activism. They aim to build community in this regard by creating a safe space for discussing these topics, as well as advocating the normalization of alternative sexualities. By challenging the current social norms, they aspire to bolster a culture around consent and open communication. Fun fact as well, I've seen your wall of shoes. You have <laughs> so many pairs of shoes. I, I don't think I've ever seen that many pairs of shoes in real life before. <laughs> <laughs> so you have some of your own fetishes, I see. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know the my wall of shoes. It's funny because it's it's a staple in a lot of my photographs because I also have like a mirror on the other side, so I take a lot of selfies in it. And it's a wall of shoes, but what a lot of people don't know is that I also have a lot of shoes stored under my bed <laughs> and I have a storage unit that is filled with shoes as well. Wait, what, what size are you? Maybe I'll borrow a pair. <laughs> I'm at eight and a half, nine, depending on, uh, depending on a uh, designer, but it's, it is definitely a, I think it's a, it's a genetic affliction that I got from my mother. So my mom is a big shoe fanatic too. And so I just like, I grew up with like her having a big shoe collection. Mm. And then I just like developed it myself. So it's definitely a big fetish of mine. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm so excited to dive right in because we're going to learn all about the ins and outs of your life, your professional life, your personal life. Um, So why don't we jump right in? First, before we get into your personal life, explain to us all a little more about the world of BDSM. What kinds of terms would the novice need to know? Um, What would anyone listening need to know especially if people have preconceived notions about what this world entails? Yeah. Oh man, that's like a big loaded question right there. Um, You know, it's so, I guess, let me, hmm, let me start with this. So Hmm. there's been a recent conversation on sex worker Twitter. Hmm. (laughs) We call it like everyone on Twitter um around the show and i'm not sure if you watched it um i think it aired on bbc america but it um was kind of uh you can see it through hulu called normal people mm. and it's a it's a short series which i don't think like ep- episodic but i don't know if it's going to go past that like i don't think it's like a mini series i don't i'm not sure if it's supposed to go longer Um, So it's so many episodes and it's about a relationship. These two young people who meet in high school and they're in Ireland, I believe. Um, And the reason why this conversation has been on is because there is some BDSM aspects to it. Mm. Um, As they kind of grow, like you see them kind of grow into college as well. And a little bit outside of college and their sort of love relationship and the one of the the main character because there's a male and a female um she's sort of exploring kink and bdsm and aspects of this growth of hers in some problematic ways Mm. but i actually really love this show and i thought it was very beautiful and i really related to it because i related to the fact that the messiness of it Hmm. Like I've been doing this work for 10 years. So my vocabulary, my understanding of nuanced aspects of relationships and kink and consent is different because I've dived fully in it. But when you're 
first exploring your sexuality, especially exploring things that are taboo or unconventional outside of what you see in, you know, mass media and what you see on, you know, in, um, you know, just in movies and in TV, it's really complicated and hard and you're going to mess up and you're going to do things that are kind of ugly and problematic and stuff like that. But that's where you learn. Mm. And I related to her experience, like after watching it, I kind of like was like, oh, I could see her becoming like very dominant. Um, because she actually s- explores like these sort of submissive aspects to her, yeah, but done in these ways that were like based out of her own trauma and pain, which is how sort of I played with power dynamics. Um, I sort of took when I, while I was exploring sex when I first, you know, when I was young, I you know, had sex with people because I felt like I had to. Mm -hmm. I, you know, allowed some people to like choke me or slap me or do these things because I thought I was supposed to as a woman. But I also had a lot of like self-hate at the time. And I was sort of punishing myself because I felt that's what I deserved. Mm. And so the thing is, yeah, sometimes it's messy. Sometimes, you know, exploring kinky things and exploring power dynamics and figuring out consent can be messy. Mm -hmm. But you grow and learn and eventually, hopefully, with enough like self-analyzing and self-growth and looking at some of stuff you grow right and so that messiness becomes a little clearer but nothing is there's always going to be problematic things because when you're young you don't always know what's going on and you don't even know how to deal with your own trauma and so I got into BDSM as a form of healing through Mm. my trauma Mm. and I would like to say that, you know, it came in this very enlightened place and I was like so enlightened about my sexuality and had no issues and I, you know, and da da da, but that's not the reality of how I came into kink and BDSM. It was something that power was something I was exploring because I felt a lot of loss of power when it came to my own sexuality. And so I went from allowing, using sex as a way to feel powerless in a very unhealthy way to learning how to gain power and feel my power in sex. Yeah. But I think I had to go through that kind of messiness to get to where I am now. Hmm. So like one of the things I, I always kind of teach people who come to me is that it's messy. <laughs> like you're gonna, there's no clear, like, you know, there is no clear, easy path yeah. to consent to finding your power, to kink, to BDSM, to your sexuality. There is going to be a lot of 
trips and mess ups and, you know, pushing of boundaries and pain and hurt and, you know, a lot of emotional shit. Yeah. Um, but it's all about how you kind of process that to move forward. I don't let my trauma and my pain define me. Mm. And that's the biggest thing that I've learned and that I wish someone would have said to me when I kind of started, because I had a lot of like deal. I had a lot of problems dealing with that when I kind of started exploring BDSM, I had a lot of shame in that because I was kind of like, am I only doing this because I'm fucked up? Is I'm only doing this because I had this like really fucked up past. Am I only doing that because of this? And it was like, yeah, a part of it, but also part of it was to like get through that, to get to a better, clearer place Wow. for myself. Wow. I really appreciate you sharing that because I think, a lot of us, because sexuality has for so long been such a taboo issue, we don't talk about it. So many of us are riding this solo journey and experiencing all sorts of epic amounts of shame and guilt and trauma. And you know, it's not until recently that there are actually more open, safe spaces to have these kinds of conversations. And yeah. so for those listening to hear you share that story as someone who has been on her own heroine's journey and has, you know, created her own transformation, it, you know, it gives hope to a lot of people. And I know it does for me anyway, because I have a very similar story of shame and, you know, using sex for validation and approval, all that jazz. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to hear Tell me a little more about this healing journey for you. Like, at what point did you realize you were starting to alchemize parts of your sexuality and parts of yourself to become the woman and the professional that you are today? So my healing journey is definitely a complex one that is definitely not linear by any means. Um, lot of ups and downs. <laughs> and I'm still on that journey, right? I, I still find pockets of little things that I have to overcome or moments of, of little potholes I fall into about myself and my emotion and my sexuality and my body and that I have, I have to navigate through. But um, you know, BDSM for me, BDSM and sex work actually going hand in hand because I met both of them hand in hand. Um, in, in the sense that my deep exploration with BDSM on a conscious level, where I was aware that of these terms and I was aware of what I was walking into more, um, was when I decided to become a pro-dominatrix, which was getting into sex work. But I would say this healing journey kind of started with a lot of work I was already doing for myself, which was, you know, therapy, I, medication, um, like antidepressants, um, a lot of my um, managing my mind, 
kind of self-growth work, a lot of reading around mindfulness, Buddhism. And so I was already kind of on this journey of unpacking a lot of my shit, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, I have the terms now because it's funny, like you, like I'm a coach as well. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was like, on this path of self-discovery, I was unpacking a lot of things and I was realizing, you know, not as clearly as I'm saying now, but a lot of things were not serving me. And all I could really identify was that I wasn't happy. Mm. Like I wasn't happy. Um, I would have these big moments of just like deep black holes and sadness And I just wasn't happy. And I was doing all these things to try to figure out why I wasn't happy. And in the process of doing all these things, I was slowly learning all these tools that could help me. Um, And it was an ongoing thing. There was no magical thing I did that just like poof, better. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) As I was doing that and as I was growing and I was making mistakes and learning from my mistakes and moving forward, um, I became more attuned and I would say intuitive to certain signs that were happening in my life. And so I had moved to New York and I was here for a fashion job. you know, I was running operations for a fashion company and, you know, I was dating, moved to New York dating. And I actually met someone who, um, who within our dating told me he was into like kink and BDSM and, you know, dominant females. And I was curious and I've always been a curious person. So that's always been good for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, and what does that mean? Like, what are you talking about? So he started like showing me like different types of kinky porn he watched. And I was just really fascinated. Um, At the same time, I happened to be like, these different moments were coming across in my life where I met a dominatrix very in a very small amount of time in the same time. Another friend of mine was like, oh, yeah, I used to do like, you know, I used to be a dominatrix in college. And I was like, whoa, this is weird. Like all this, you know, same topics keep coming up in a very short amount of time. So I started doing my own research as Mm -hmm. a curious person. I am. I just started like dominatrix, professional dominatrix, you know, kink and just went down the Google hole and was like looking all this stuff up. Um, And that's when I came across an ad around like training, working at a femdom space. And I was super curious and decided to apply and asked about if I could do this night and weekends because I had a full time job. Wow. And so I just kind of followed that voice of mine, that inner voice to be like, obviously, this is piquing your interest. Let's just I didn't know why. I didn't need the money. I didn't need another job. So I just kind of, I just, obviously something was there. And so I went with it, 
you know, started working there nights and weekends, moonlighting. No one Mm -hmm. knew. I think the only person who knew was my sister actually at the time, because before I decided, I kind of told her I might be doing this thing. And she was like, oh, that makes sense. And I was like, what do you mean by that? (laughs) She was like, you've always been this like dominant, powerful woman, da, da, da. But it wasn't about the power. It was, I had been very closed off with my sexuality at this time, very Mm. closed off about it. Um, And because sex had a lot of pain for me. Yeah. So at this time, I really felt like I was kind of, even though I was dating and like having sex with people, it was more about I felt sort of obligated as a form of love, Mm -hmm. but I didn't totally enjoy it physically. Yeah. And, um, and so like, as I started doing pro-dom work, that's when I really started to see over the years, things started to click for me. Like things started to fall into place. Like things started to make sense in my life. And I realized like all that work I was doing was leading up to this. Like the 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 really loud voice in me to tell me to like go ahead and apply to this job you don't even need you know (laughs) to work an additional how many hours on top of the 40 to 60 hours of work you're already doing like it was obviously this voice in me saying like you the thing that you need to heal in you is your relationship with your sexuality, Mm. your relationship with men, Mm. your relationship with your own power within your sexuality and what it means to be intimate, what it means to, you know, with boundaries and all of that. And obviously there's an internal thing being like, you have been on this path of working on yourself Like, here's this thing that you've hid, locked up, said, you know what, that's not for you because it felt so much pain. You've got to open this door now and you've got to tackle this. And through like BDSM and through my sex work, I found a very safe space Hmm. to do that. And safe, not meaning there wasn't any issues or harm or problem, but it was a space that I could fully focus on and have other people to support me or not judge me, um, do with others, um, and sort of have people to bounce off. Uh, Whether that was just meeting all my different submissives and clients I met who would tell me about their lives, who I just connected with as people. or the other doms I was working with that I created a sisterhood with um, and be able to ask the weird questions sometimes I had about things, you know, about myself, like the weird fucked up questions where you're like, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say this out loud. (laughs) Um, My, you know, my kinks and my fetishes, like I consider myself a sadist. I consider myself a consensual um, conscious status. I don't want to give people pain who don't want pain, but 
to really accept that there are people out there who really enjoy feeling pain for their reasons that we can talk about it and who accepts me for someone who enjoys giving them that pain in a very transformative way. Mm. Um, Wow. So there was like all kinds of, like I found my tribe. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Um, what was coming through for me as you were saying that was one, I got chills through my body multiple times as you were talking about your journey. And it's so beautiful to see this very human, messy, experimental depiction of what this world can look like. You know, there's, there are so many um, images and conceptions that, you know, people are who they present themselves to be on their Instagram feed. And that is one persona, but we're all such dynamic beings that of course we have our shit, our messiness, our ups and downs, our fucked up, seemingly fucked up questions, our kinks, our discomforts, our traumas, all of this. So to, to hear you share that is so beautiful because it, it gives so much humanity to a world and a line of work and an industry that is often regarded as so many, so many negative things are, you know, slapped onto the sex work and sex adjacent work industry. And I happen to know a lot of people in this industry who are just salt of the earth humans. They'd give their, the shirt off their backs for anyone walking by. Mm -hmm. They are doing great service for people and their sexual transformation and sexual healing. And they're teaching people things like boundaries, communication, expression, sexual transformation. And in fact, that was a word you used, um, consensually giving pain to people in a transformative way. So tell me more about how intimacy, communication, expression, and consent is woven into your world in a way that makes this work really empowering and transformative for people? Well, the biggest thing is I learned to communicate. My best communication skills came from doing this work because I was able to learn how to have the most uncomfortable conversations about the most uncomfortable things not only with my clients, but with myself and with my other fellow femdoms, I became more comfortable in my body and every part of my body and my, you know, body odors, body production, you know, that women are so afraid of, are taught to be afraid of, right? We have all these feminine products that like, you know, make sure you don't smell bad. Well, you know what? Those smells tell you something (laughs) about what's going on and you better listen to them, you know? And like, I don't think I would have ever had that, be able to have those conversations ever in my whole life if I didn't do this work. Like I Mm. could see myself, like if I continue, continue down a different path, I could continue being so afraid of having those conversations with myself, with my partners, with, 
you know, to have shame around my body, to have shame around other people's bodies. Like I could see how easily I could be old and still have those issues if I didn't do this work. Wow. You know, um, and I think that's the thing is that having those conversations about the most vulnerable thoughts you have about your, you know, fantasies about your sexuality, about your questions about your sexuality or questions about your own body or body functions, right? Mm -hmm. In a non-medical way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And like why some people have more sensitive nipples and really enjoy nipple play or something like that without like being judged around that. Like, no doctor is going to give you that information, you know, while being in spaces with open communication and acceptance. And that's the biggest part, like just acceptance builds for much better intimacy with yourself, which helps you build intimacy and connection and communication with other people. Because I think that's where, that's the biggest thing that I've gotten from kink and BDSM and sex work is is the relationship I've built with myself Mm. to be able to transfer that to my relationships with others and that I think is what I teach people when with their interactions with me yeah is that sort of transformative pain part is there are a lot of people who you who need the physical sensation of pain to let emotional pain out that is very hard for them to let out. Mm, Wow. You know, and sometimes they need someone to push them to that point, right? So that it gives them a reason to let everything else out. And that alone can be cathartic and transformative. And we've seen it in different types of religion and uh, religious ceremonies about, you know, physical pain can help release other things, you know? Yeah. I mean, granted, you can even see that with, you know, Christianity with Jesus on, you know, being on a cross and all of that, like there, there's, we can't separate the physical and the mental, like it all works together. And sometimes we need to feel the physical pain to help us connect with our emotional pain. Yeah, that we're going through and to release that and to work through it and give ourselves permission. But it also can be a form of just like, there are people who, you know, I was actually talking to a sub of mine who had gone through like a stroke and was numb in like, like some crazy, like 67% of his body. Wow, And it was through physical pain, through exploring BDSM and feeling physical pain, did he learn to feel sensations again? Wow. And he built like, you know, that feeling of physical pain brought in actual like sensation, which he was just so happy to feel that it created this, like the physical pain was also part of feeling, just feeling and yeah. created so much pleasure in that. And so he has such a mental connection with that physical pain that it becomes just emotional pleasure and bliss for him. 
Wow. Like our body works in such interesting different ways and we want to disconnect it so much. You know, mind is separate from the body, but it really goes intertwined. And I see that a lot with those who explore pain. Sometimes they explore pain for emotional reasons, for physical reasons, for, you know, and it obviously intersects. Some people just enjoy the sensation of pain because their wiring works that way. And there's no shame in that. Um, some people use, sometimes I use pain as a way for, for people to learn that if they can get through this, they can tap into that and get through other things in their life. Mm. And I've had a lot of my submissives say that they're like, you know, this really shitty thing was happening. And I just thought how fucked up and shitty and I was feeling so crappy. And then I thought, you know what? Mistress Lucy has beat me harder than this. I can do this. And I was just like, and I'm just like, yes, you can. <laughs> oh my God. I love that sentiment. There's so much, what I'm hearing that is, is coming through so clear in your expression and in the work you do is this radical sense of empowerment, the sense of empowerment in our relationship to self, in our relationship to our bodies and how they function um, in our relationship to our sexuality, to our how we communicate. And it's, it's just so beautiful to watch and hear about transformation happening through another lens. You know, we have all of this mainstream transformative work that happens at workshops and in various kinds of ceremonies. And to know that it happens in this way as well, very, very deeply is, uh, just a beautiful expression. And I'm so glad we're having this conversation because this is a, a subject matter that not many dare to dive into because, you know, I think this, this work, this industry is still pretty underground. I mean, it's, it's more above ground than it ever has been before, but there's still a lot of collective shame around sexuality. We've got a lot of uh, a lot of witnessing, acknowledging, loving, and accepting to do of ourselves and of each other. So I'm so grateful that you're doing this work and that you're sharing it in such a public way that allows people to, um, you know, really take a look at and, and sit with their shame and acknowledge all parts of themselves. Yeah. So you know, I'm really curious to hear um, it. For those who are listening, what is something you would share uh, as a way to really begin the self-acceptance process? Is there a particular tool, a thought process, uh, you know, something that people can take and put in their pockets with them after listening to this? Um, you know, I think... I would say one, a simple thing someone can do, and I have a lot of my submissives do that, is write a fantasy journal. You know, mm. write down for yourself, doesn't have to be grammatically correct or any of that. Um, keep a little journal and be detailed who, what, when, where, why, you know, all the details of like a fantasy you have no matter how 
how much shame around it, but be honest and write it down and kind of like revisit it. Um, I think the action of allowing ourselves to either speak out, write out, put down something that kind of floats in our head, but we just don't want to really touch it, make it tangible. Um, there's a lot of fear in that. Yeah, Our head is a very dark space <laughs> and a dark space that can be amazing, but also can be very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we just leave it floating out there, then that's all it's going to do. And we're going to have a lot of like, you know, it's the, you know, monster under the bed in the closet sort of situation. But when you kind of like shine a light on it, write it down, work it out, you know, read it to yourself, it becomes less scary. Mm -hmm. Because all it is, is it's okay to have fantasies. Um, And a lot of times, that's what I see a lot of my clients, what they're feeling ashamed about is their fantasy because their fantasy is part of their sexuality. And so they feel a lot of shame, like, oh, you know, I really want to do this, or, you know, I've been thinking about this, or I masturbated to this, or something like that. And then it's all the shame that comes with it, right? Like, I can't believe I'm into this, can't believe I'm doing this. Start with writing a fantasy journal and just put it down and see what comes up for you. Um, I think that's like, the first step someone can do for themselves in regards to this realm. Yeah. Uh, in regards to just self-growth and self-acceptance, you know, I, a lot of people say, you know, find community, but community is really hard to do when you haven't figured it out yourself. Hmm. And self-awareness is, I think, one of the biggest skills and really it's a skill to practice in your life which is being really aware of your shit your stuff the things you love the things you value the things you don't like about yourself and why you don't like them the things you do because you don't like about yourself the things you don't do because you don't like yourself um, the things you do for self-approval, the things you do because of your ego, whatever, learning to be as self-aware and having that really aware conversation is the important part to figure out what to do about it. Because if you're not aware of it, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Mm, wow. Those are some really, really powerful practices and learning to have that conversation is key. And learning to have it with ourselves because so often a huge part of our self-expression is stifled because we're not willing to just peek under the hood and see what's there. And until we start opening that box, we have no idea the ways in which it's held us back. And as I've gone on that journey myself, I'm like, holy shit the quality of my life has drastically changed as I have learned these things about myself and really embodied a sense of vulnerability and self-expression. Um, yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so I'm going to head over to the chat. I'm going to ask you one more question. Um, but for those of you that have any questions for Mistress Lucy Sweetkill, go ahead and pop those in the chat right now. Um, and we'll get around to those in just a few minutes. 
Um, I know that this conversation has definitely sparked a lot of curiosity in those that are tuning in. Um, and you might even have the, let me see the Q and A. Okay. Gotcha. So for those of you who have questions, pop them in now, but let's get to your personal life for a few minutes. Tell me what life has been like. So one of the things that came up was many of us lead these lives and we're one person with our friends. We're one person at work. We're one person with our family. We lead these fragmented lives. Nobody really knows who we are truly because we put on a mask in each place. So to what extent are you open with your work, with your family? And I know you have a partner. So tell us a little more about what it's like in your family, with your partner, and how you crossed the bridge of being your full self-expressed self in in these places. So um, I am out fully, um, which is a privilege I have that a lot of other people don't have, especially as a sex worker. Um, I am very thankful to have a very great supportive family and support network. Like my friends who knew me before me being a dominatrix are super supportive. The first person I told, um, was my sister and, you know, she's super supportive and, you know, I have a really great partner of two and a half, almost three years who, you know, you know, met me while I was doing this. So, um, and I was very clear and that the dating in itself was a journey of me, like coming to terms with myself before being able to have room for a partner mm-hmm. to accept me until I accepted me. Um, and I think he's definitely a manifestation of that. Like the work I put in myself help create this relate this opportunity for this relationship to exist. So mm-hmm. I'm very thankful. I have a very, very loving and supportive partner that I've interviewed and is very open. Um, who is, and I like to clarify, he's not a sex worker. He's not part of the King community in the sense that he's, you know, I met him in the community. He's actually just like a regular old Joe type of guy. Um, I call him you know, I call him kink light, um, or vanilla plus, uh, yes. because, you know, he, he's accepting of it, but it's not his thing, yeah. you know? Um, but he's very open-minded. He's very playful, but you know, he also, <laughs> he sometimes puts up with certain things because <laughs> he loves me so much, but he actually enjoys it, but it's not his like go-to like, as like, I like to bite him because as a sadist, I like to just like give a little pain. So yeah. he does not like being bit, but he will be, he will take being bit by me. <laughs> <laughs> so for those out there who think that it's not possible to have really supportive, loving relationships, and you have to be the same type of person, that is definitely not true. You know, um, And, you know, yeah, can it help? Maybe, but it doesn't, you know, he's not necessary. He's a pleaser. He's not submissive. Um, And, but I'm open and that's a privilege I have because I have such a good supportive network. Um, 
the thing with these kind of putting yourself, you know, how you are in different social circles and different parts of your life, I think that's sort of a natural part of living, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like if you're with your grandparents, you're not really going to talk to them as if you're with your girlfriends, you know? Yeah, yeah. So like I think we sort of, you know, they're like knobs that we sort of turn, you know, up and down a little and um i think it's really important that those knobs be true to who you are that they're not like these other things you're creating but these are knobs of you and you're just turning mm-hmm. them up and down a little for different yeah. scenarios because i think it's just kind of appropriate um you know i'm with certain girlfriends and we talk about certain things i'm with other girlfriends we talk other stuff i'm with certain friends and that's totally cool and um, but I understand that it, it is not something, not everyone comes from a very supportive, uh, su- structure. The big thing is I have lost friends when I came out as the, this as being my career, I did lose some friends. Um, and I'm okay with that. Even though they were friends, I had been friends with for a long time. I don't want to be friends with people who are going to sit there and judge me. And honestly, like 10 years, like it was very painful 10 years ago. Yeah. um, When all of this was happening, like extremely painful for me because I had lost friends that I had known for 10 years. Wow. But now fast forward 10 years, I mean, fast forward really even five years ago, I'm so thankful those people are out of my life because I'm just like, you're not the type of person I want in my life. Like I <laughs> like that type of judgment. I made room for better, more supportive, you know, people who align with me and align with my values. Mm. So, you know, we had our time and we connected during that time and I'm grateful for it. And we were friends at that moment, but it's okay that we separated. Yeah. You know? that's part of growth and evolution and um, dating was very similar. Like I had boyfriends who were supportive and I had ones who were really not. Um, And I learned a lot from them. I don't see any of those relationships as mistakes because they were all stepping stones to get to the relationship I'm at now, which is with my life partner who just is my number one cheerleader. Like, He's someone who like screenshots my Instagram stories. And I'm like, you realize I, if you want that photo, babe, I can send you the photo. Like <laughs> I'm right here. He was like, no, I, I like screenshots. I'm like, he screenshots things as a fan or something. So sweet. He is so sweet though. He's a sweetheart. <laughs> he go, Yeah, he goes to every talk I'm at. He like... It's just like so supportive. He, <laughs> I posted on Twitter recently, like being a sex worker boyfriend is like being a Instagram influencer boyfriend where he's just there having to press, like, you know, taking the shot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> getting me a better angle. <laughs> you know, it's so funny that you say that because 
it's he is of such deep service. I'm this is not news to you, obviously, but for you know those tuning in, that support is it goes beyond words. And I know the feeling of having a supportive partner, but that's the person that opens us up to our real power when we're yeah. in those moments of fear, in those moments of self-doubt, of self-loathing, of whatever it is, having that support system and someone who's always cheering you on, whether it's for them or not personally is beautiful. And I'm so freaking happy that you have that. He's, I remember he made us a beautiful like cheese spread when I was at your place. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, this is like full service. (laughs) Like I should pay you. (laughs) Yeah. He's just, but it makes you support them as well. Like he has bad days and I'm always like his cheerleader and that's like what it's about. Like it doesn't matter what he does as a job or what I do as a job. It's us as at the end of the day, it's us as people. Um, and if you believe in that other person and you love them, then that's all it comes down to. And so, you know, like there's all these aspects of us that we've got to work on coming to understand about ourselves and like that work we put in does come out. It really does. I really believe that, but we have to really ask ourselves, are we putting in that work? Mm. Because sometimes we want the easy answers. Um, And I think that's one thing I really learned from my mother is that life is not always easy but, you know, but it really doesn't matter because as long as you don't see it that way, then you're going to do well. Like my, my mother is someone who like, she came from a war torn country. She, you know, was in a uh, refugee camp. She's uh, Vietnamese you know, from during the Vietnam War, she was in a refugee camp, she was separated from her whole family. Like, these are things that many of us have never been through, yeah. will never go through most probably. And to see how she strives and looks at life, and how she's just so like, optimistic, and positive, and love, you know, really loving, and like, Trust me, she did not want daughters who are like total weirdos, like, like <laughs> you know, but she just loves and accepts us and she's growing too. Trust me, I have my, you know, I've had a, a very complicated history with my mom, but the reason why we still are very close is because she understands that she's growing and learning and that her ways are not always the best ways, especially with children that she had in the US who were born with an American mentality compared to like a Vietnamese mentality. And so like, that's something that I really learned from her is that like, these struggles are all temporary. And if you continue to put in the work, and if you continue to believe in yourself, and, you know, and your outlook is really what creates everything that you'll be happy and you'll get there. And she's Uh very much that. She definitely embraces all of that. 
Um, she sounds like an amazing woman. Um, wow. So we have just a couple more minutes left and cool. we have a question from someone who joined, who is, uh, who joined by seeing some of your promos. Um, so the question is, what are some things you tell yourself to motivate or inspire yourself during your dark moments? I do a lot of self-talk. <laughs> I think my partner sees me talk to myself a lot. <laughs> I do a lot of self-talk. Um, for me, it's helpful to just say some of those things to myself, like to look myself in the mirror and say, like, you feel like shit today. That's okay. But you know what? What are some things that you love about yourself? What are some of the things you're grateful um, and it's just, sometimes it's even a small thing, you know, sometimes I'm just like, my hair looks good today. <laughs> like it is, I find it so important to, especially as a woman mm. to say nice things to yourself. Yeah. To just say nice things to yourself. And that sometimes will help me like get me in a better mood a lot of times you know a lot of times if I'm like feeling low or feeling like like you know especially like during this COVID time like am I doing enough what's up with you know with my business this that like all these worries these you know am I you know like what could I do better and you can get down on yourself very easily. Like I have to remind myself of all the like really great things in my life and be very grateful um, and have a lot of gratitude around that. Yeah. Um, I've also, I believe in building lots of tools to have in your toolbox to manage your mind. And I've done that through a lot of the you know, whether it's different podcasts I listen to about self-growth and managing my mind through mindfulness, through um, either and having different practices, whether that is knowing that I can call and talk to a handful of people, knowing that I can lean on my partner, knowing that I can lean on myself, um, knowing that I can do some writing, some journaling, some self-talk, um, some self-care stuff. Um, some exercise routines, some eating healthy habits, um, you know, allowing myself to have all these avenues to help support me. Those are all tools that I utilize to keep myself in, um, to keep myself just like motivated mm. and to keep myself going and also being gentle you know, like that self-talk even goes to saying, you know what, I'm having a shitty day today. I'm going to let myself sit in my shit and I'll be at it tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's all. Mm. But building the tools are essential. I, I, I'm always, you know, I, would, I, I mentor um, a dom right now, but I have my submissives and, and I, and I teach them a lot of times, like, it's all about building as many tools as you need to help you in your life and to help manage your mind and your emotions. Yeah. And if you only have one tool, then you're stuck using that one tool. But if you 
you know, if you create many tools, then you have many tools to fall back on when one of them fails or another right. fails or whatever, what you need. So yeah. I think my whole life is that. <laughs> Building supportive tools. <laughs> yeah, it's just like one big iteration, one big experiment. And um, yeah. hopefully, Mark, that answers your question as well. Um, we're at the top of the hour here. So, oh my gosh, Lucy, Mistress Lucy Sweetkill, extraordinaire. It was such a pleasure to speak with you today and to hear about your journey and the work that you're doing to really deeply serve the world in transformation and liberation and in freedom. And it's, it's, um, it's just an honor to hear from you. Um, so for those of the people that are listening who want to stay connected with you, how do they find you? And is there anything special you're doing right now or anything you want to share so that those who are listening can look out for? So, um, the big thing is, um, which I've had you on too, is um, my company, La Maison de Rouge. We have a broadcast, a weekly broadcast we do on Monday nights. Um, and it can be caught on our Twitter. So if you go to the La Maison de Rouge Twitter or on the Periscope app, um, and it's under La Maison de Rouge as well. And now we're actually uploading because we, we changed the formatting a little and are using this really great service to make it really seamless. I'm able to, starting from our last interview, upload them to YouTube. Nice. So we'll have a YouTube channel with um, with these broadcasts as well. So feel free to follow that. So La Maison de Rouge is that's literally on all the platforms. And then I'm. You can usually just find me as Lucy Sweetkill. If you Google me, I have, you know, my website, which is Lucy Sweetkill, my Twitter, which is Lucy Sweetkill. My Instagram is Mistress Sweetkill, but I'm not totally engaged on Instagram right now just because I'm really tired of them censoring everything, hmm. um, especially around sex workers. And then I have a fan site, but all of that you can find through my social media as well. But tune in for those of you who want to learn more about what we do and just getting all the perspectives around kink, BDSM, sexuality, spirituality, um, sex work. Um, we cover all of that through our interviews and conversations and even demos on our Periscope. So Beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, this is leaving me more energized today. I so appreciate you being on the show. And uh, when this is live, I will share it out with all of you. Mistress Lucy Sweetkill, my dear, thank you so much for being you and for serving. Thank you for having me. It's always great to speak with you. And, you know, hopefully I will see you when this has died down. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We'll party. <laughs> who knows? Who knows when? <laughs> who knows when? I yeah. know. But you know, like this podcast that you're putting together, I think it's so amazing. Um, you know, I I've always loved having these really great conversations with you. So I'm really excited mm. to promote this and for 
this to continue and pick up traction. Yes. And maybe we'll have you back. Um, it would be great to have you back on our show to talk about like, you know, not only your coaching program, but this podcast and, you know, continue our conversation there too. Let's jam. I'm always mm-hmm. down for a good time, especially if it's with yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. To all those listening and tuning in, thank you for joining. We got a lot of love in the comments. Um, people who are sharing this is really inspiring and, and really thanking you for sharing what you shared. So I'm sending all of you much love and good vibes. And thank you, Lucy. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you made it this far, it probably means that you enjoyed listening, learned a lot, and are one step closer to deeper intimacy. To help couples like you discover the show and transform their lives, please consider leaving a five-star review and hitting subscribe. You can also find us on Instagram at untamed underscore intimacy. We'd love to hear from you there. If you want to be the first to gain access to exclusive content, practices, and tools to create untamed intimacy in your life, join our mailing list by clicking the link in the show notes. You'll receive powerfully curated content that's no bullshit and pure love. And if you want to learn more about creating untamed intimacy in your life, then visit us at untamedintimacy.com. We see you and we appreciate you. Until next time, much love and good vibes.